Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday, and I'm going to see if I can take the opportunity to do the Tefillah podcast for the week. Finish up for the week, as always, sponsored by Mishpachas Stefanski, we thank them. And, uh... Fortunately, it's not a college class after hear exactly the curriculum. I'm going to wander a little bit today, with your uh, permission. If you could see, I'm talking to you from my room downstairs in my house, my office, which is covered like crazy with 10,000 books, so I'm not even sure if you hear me pulling out this, that, and the other, you'll know what's going on. <coughs> um, today was Rosh Chodesh Adarn, Mishin, Nechnes Adar, Simcha, and uh, I just was noticing in the morning that uh, because of because of something I'm doing to Afiyami, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Um, I'm my personal Afiyami. <laughs> uh, when I'm in Shul, you know, in the morning, evenings, I try to always cover some ground in the Masech that I have coming up for a yard site. So in this case, it's Ksibis. And uh, I was going to do it for my father. It didn't work out, so I did a different Masech. But now I hope for my mom. I'll make it. She's in Talmud's at the same time. Yards at the same time as Lubavitcher Rebbe, you know, in the summer, so I should be able to do that because I'm already finishing the seventh parak, which is happens to be today. That's where I was, the famous story of Shubin Levi, which is what I want to um, talk about in a second. But since I was <coughs> holding in that kind of thought, and we davened this morning, uh, you know, for a Shodesh, and it just jumped at me that when you say the Musaf, you know, Chaparis Pasha. Whatever the words are there, Parnos Chalkolo, Chaim Oshalom, doesn't say anything about uh, Rafua, about health. You know, it doesn't say anything about the health. You know, in the Rosh Chodesh benching you do in Shul, which I must say is a made up thing from very late, so maybe 150 years old, maybe. It says, oh, Rafua Krova, Gulashlema, you know, it mentions Rafua. But it is kind of interesting that you pray on. When they put the Nusuf together for the Nusuf, so they mentioned um, wealth and Shalom and things like that, but it doesn't say anything about health. <clears throat> I just, it just was stri- striking to me. Doesn't say about health. And one of the reasons that I noticed that was because, one second over here, I was doing the end of uh, that chapter in Ksuvis. It just happened to be, and this is the thing about, you know, Elukof and Lahotzi, you know, the. You know, the the situation where the rare case where under halachic law you can compel a husband to divorce the wife, you know, if he has this uh, disease or this uh, 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 trade, you know, certain things are unbearable. And meanwhile, talking about different makas and illnesses, <clears throat> and one of them was about the Bali Raisin, which is supposed to be a terribly contagious, disgusting sort of thing. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't think anybody does a terrible disease of yesteryear. Um, I don't have my uh, book in front of me. I don't want to schlep it from, uh, you know, from uh, biblical Talmudical medicine. I remember he has an essay on what he thinks the Bali Ricin is, but it's something extremely contagious, which makes sense. 
And, um, you know, if he, if he has that, then they can compel divorce or not, whatever. And Derek Haga, once he's talking about this, uh, Rashi said it has to do with a sheritz, and your brain sheritz, yesh lebamocho. <clears throat> so it's a little bit the story of Titus, remember? Where, you know, bug went up the nose. In this case, the bug didn't necessarily go up the nose. I don't know how, but a sheritz formed, according to this, in its head. Maybe, like the morale said in the other, like Abi Titus, maybe this is be understood as a tumor, you know. Um, but they describe it as a creature, and yet you have to uh, pull it out very gently. It shouldn't dig its, its, its nails into the brain, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and meanwhile, while doing this, the Gemara goes on to discuss uh, contagious diseases, which means that this, uh, I don't do the Dafiyami, but the Dafiyami last year when, when the corona was raging, I don't think it was in Ksubis, was it? I doubt it. That would have been the time, you know, uh, to do this in the middle because when the corona was raging, then all the fights, Baltimore versus Lakewood, quote-unquote, you know, in other words, you should uh, quarantine, you shouldn't quarantine, you should wear a mask, you shouldn't wear a mask, you should be careful about avoiding this, not be careful, the heck with it, you know, do you say the Torah protects you, you don't have to worry about the, the COVID or the opposite, <clears throat> you know, and it turns out that these exact differences of opinion were 2,000 years ago among the Chazal, among the rabbis in the Chazal. <clears throat> and um, they even say, Machros of Yochanan, his arm is Vuvi Shabala Raisin. Be very careful from the flies that hang around the person that has this disease, because even 2,000 years ago, you could tell that the flies are carrying the disease, which is interesting, because a lot of science didn't know that. Reb Zer wouldn't sit downwind of such a person. So in other words, you see, these are great rabbis from yesteryear. And they weren't modern medical people, of course, <clears throat> but they had a healthy fear of contagious illnesses. And like you say today, masks and social distancing, you know, social distancing. You stay away from the person, that they knew. Rebel Ezer, Rebel wouldn't even visit the house. Sounds exactly like the corona now. You know, some people, you know how it goes, some people won't go near them, some people won't go in the house, some people do this, and my shul, it's also my chluk, you open the window, you close the window, whatever. That sort of thing. Ravami Ravasi, they were so freaked out over it, Ravami Ravasi, they went eat an egg from the neighborhood where the person had the illness. He afraid it might spread. <clears throat> so these are famous rabbis, and it indicates that they had a healthy fear of contagious disease. In this case, the Balarisa. But obviously, from here you see, whatever was considered a major disease, and it's a possibility you might get it, you stay away from it. And they took, I, I would say, Lifnim Ashur Sadin, it sounds like. sounds like Lifnim Ashur Sadin, but it sounds like Lifnim Ashur Sadin is appropriate when you have medical crises, health issues, and all the rest of it. So to use modern terminology, if a person says, I'm staying home, I'm not going here, I'm not going to a chas, all the rest of it, that doesn't mean you have to be that way, but you, but you, you, know, you don't call them a nut. You say you have a healthy fear of this sort of thing, you know, and you have to respect it. And then they contrast it with the other way, right? From Lakewood. Which is a exp- funny expression. Right? Mikrach Bahu. Rashi says, Nidbak etzlam b'shosh osik b'torah. O moshivan etzlam, motir shetogan atorbalo yuzak. He was a saint. He was a saint. He would learn with them. 
or at least he would have them near him while he was learning. The language is interesting. I mean, Rashi's language. Nidbak Epsilon Bishosh Osig When he would give a shear, he wouldn't say, only healthy people can come. Isn't that interesting? This is almost the questions you had. Maybe now it's a less so, but, you know, a year ago, two years ago, are you giving a shear, which is not on Zoom? Are you allowing anybody to attend? Like you say today, are you vaccinated? <laughs> you know, do you have a document? Uh, you know, did you get triple shots, quadruple, quintuple shots, and all that kind of stuff? And he didn't do that because it says, He held that the Torah he's learning with them protects him. Now, I want to be very careful over here. Rashi, I'll read the Rashi again. When he was giving the shear, he would allow them to come close to him. It was confident that the Torah would protect him. That would be counterintuitive, you know, that while he's doing a mitzvah, Talmud Torah, then he would get sick from it. Now, from a medical point of view, this is uh, not this is baloney. There are many gedolim I can think of who died that way. One who comes to mind was the author of Novartic, who died in the typhus epidemic, if I remember correctly, in Kiev in 1920, because he said, I don't care, I'm, I'm going to take care of my Talmudim and all the rest of it. No, okay, you don't care. So he got it and he died. Another one is the uh, Tama Melech, who I spoke about once upon a time from Prague, who was named Yechelis, where, uh, you know, he he was attending to the soldiers from the battle when it was over, he was at the Battle of Prague, and he was doing a chesed, and he caught what they had and died from it. So, the counter-argument to what I just said, you say cats, they were not learning at that, that moment. <clears throat> you get it? Those the altar in the Vardic, when he was taking care of the students, he wasn't giving a shear. He was taking care of the students. So you said like this, Bikr Cholem, Hatzol's Nefosh is unbelievable mitzvah. Yeah, but it's not very litvish. It's not Talmud Torah. <laughs> you get it? Torah is mugging. Talmud Torah. Which therefore means, if you held like Shubin Levi, it's not a green light to go and ignore all the Corona rules. It, it, I'm saying if you held like Shubin Levi, but rather it's like this. When I go in the morning to a base manager to learn with somebody while I'm learning, so then it's okay. But when it's not learning, I get the heck out of there. Right? And don't bottle. Because <laughs> if you bottle while you're learning, <laughs> then the Torah's not going to be mugging on you. It's that kind of uh, approach. So, um, that means Rabbi Shubin Levi was a saint. Everybody else was keeping these people away. And he said, you can come and learn by me. Because of Guni Magna. I'm just reading his word. That, that's what made me think, how can we have Rafu and the davening that the Chazal organized for Rosh uh, Chodesh, if they're the ones that came to final Nusach. You know, the Sosan, the Simcha, the and the Chum, Parnasach, Akola, the Slicha, Seder, Kaparis, Pasha, and all that. Don't say anything about Rafu Shlema. I thought that's very interesting. Especially now when we have this Corona junk that doesn't go away even though it's less. Um, and then the Gemara goes with a famous story, which I know very well. Uh, I forgot it's going to be at the end of the sound period, but I should remember. And that's the story of this hero of ours, Shuban Levi on the one hand, who, by the way, is mentioned, as I recall, quite often in the Gemara Megillah, in connection with Hilchus uh, um, Purim, Megillah and so forth. I noticed this many years ago. Now that I called your attention to it, those of you who are going to open up a Gemara Megillah before Purim, you'll see many of the dinim, as I recall, are from Yishub and Levi. I'm turning over in the back of my head 
based on what I say now and, and in the next couple of weeks, maybe I'll can turn this into a Vartorah and Purim. Um, but anyway, the Gemara says the famous story of Rishub and Levi in the Malcham of us, where it says, Ki Avishachav, when he was going to die, Ki Avishachav, right? Now, literally, that means when he when he died. But it's going to be clear from the story he didn't die. So Rashi is very meduyah. The Rashi says, Ki Avishachav, See, you know, we all know Rashi is always Meduik, but sometimes it's blatantly Meduik. <laughs> right? So, when the time came to go, in heaven, they told him, do what he wants you to do. That was reveal yourself and follow his instructions. So, the juxtaposition sounds very much to me like because he was a saint, and he ignored the danger to his health. He got a special, this was considered a huge mitzvah, and he got a special dispensation when his own time came to die. Right? I don't know if it means he. it's possible to read this, he contracted the sickness, taka from the balarison, you know, but it doesn't say that. So let's assume, Pashat, that he died later, but he had this big zechus, he was a tzaddik. Aziz Chazalei said, revealed himself, so he says, show me my place in Gan Eden before you take me there. Before you kill me, show me where I'm going to be in Gan Eden. Holy Gan Eden of Harim Mekomi Rashi says. Armele Lechai, the Malcolm always said, okay. Now I was given instructions <laughs> to handle you with kid gloves. So, okay. Armele Havli Sakinach, Demabasli Borcha. Give me your knife because you'll scare me on the way. Yavali, and give him the knife. So notice that the Malcolm always, according to this, spiritually shechsi with a knife and he could see it because Malchus has revealed himself and he didn't want to walk you know towards his place in Ganadin or fly there or whatever with the Malchus was holding a knife because he might jump him on the way which is interesting that he would think like that uh, maybe the Malchus does that Kimatala so the story goes on to say that when he reached heaven uh, so they flew up and they reached heaven die he lifted him up, and he showed him. See, in other words, imagine Ganadin being surrounded by a wall, according to the story here. And he picked him up by the wall and said, See that apartment over there? That's yours. That penthouse is yours. And at that point, Shubin Levi, on his own, just jumped over into the, into, into heaven, into Ganadin. Right? In other words, he didn't get killed, he jumped into Shemayim. That's the wrong word. Jumped in the Ganadin. Knocked up a karma the gleam, eh? So the story is that the Malachim was held onto his jacket. And he said, I'm not coming back from Ganadin. No, he says, let go of me. I'm taking a Shavua, which is a big deal. Then I'm not returning back to regular life. So then the Malachim said, Look, what do I do now? Yeah, I can't make him break a Shavua. What do I do now? And at Amakash Baruchub, God is watching the whole scene and see If he's ever been Shoal and a Shavu in his life, then we can make him we can we can reverse this Shavua now. But of course the story was he never had been, so he said, Well then I can't I can't do that, God said. So basically we have to leave him alive in Ghanaian. Really, Give me my knife back, Malcolm Ovid said. Lava ki he didn't want to give him the knife back. 
Novak Baskol Miyamra, a Baskol came out and said, Give him back the knife because he needs it to kill others. Okay? You not, but he needs it to kill others. No, the Malachimovas is not out of business. Okay? And, uh, and, and, and the story, of course, is that he did do it. Okay? He did do it. So, um, why did he, why did he not want to give the knife back? And why did he give the knife back when the voice sounded it? So there's a machlokas between the marshal on the one hand, and Henry Wattsworth Longfellow. I have to tell you, this story I knew very well when I was a little kid, because long ago, don't ask any questions, I was, when I was very young, I was into poetry, very famous poets. And when I was young, the 19th century poets were a big deal. And one of them was Longfellow, you know, from Hiawatha and all that. And uh, I had a book at home with all the Longfellow poems. And Longfellow was an Ohavis role in the 19th century, at least as best as I can tell. And he published a number of stories from the Gemara, Agathas, in the Longfellow way. So, hold on for a second. The Marshaw says, I want my knife back. Uh, give the knife back because he needs it. He was afraid that the Malachimobis will then take the knife to kill him. If I throw the knife back to the Malachimobis, then the Malachimobis will jump into Ghana and check me right then and there. So Hashem was assuring him, no, you're safe. It's just that he's, he's, he's got to kill others. You know, that's part of his job. That is his job. So the reason he wouldn't give the knife back was he was worried about himself. Right? About himself. That's the Marshal's way of reading it. And of course, in a Chanami, that's a way of reading it. But it's possible. But I was always ruined because I read Longfellow's poem uh, long ago. Longfellow, Henry Watson Longfellow, uh, among other things, wrote a long business called Tales of a Wayside Inn, in which he was imitating Boccaccio. Did a whole bunch of, you know, did the camera on. A whole bunch of people are stuck. Oh, they're stuck in, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, from a storm, I guess. And, uh, you know, in an inn. And they're sitting around shooting the bull and everybody's telling Gilbert Meisalach. And one of them's a Jew, a Spanish Jew, and he's telling stories from the Jewish tradition. Um, it's an indication of the Decameron, except the, the, the camera is from Boccaccio. Boccaccio was Italian, so everything's X-rated. I mean, what do you want? The guy's Italian, you know, in the Renaissance times. Everything's X-rated. Longfellow was a, a proper American Protestant guy. You know, he, he wasn't like that at all. And so, so it doesn't mean like that at all. But, uh, I mean, he's a Victorian for crying out loud. And his poem is called The Legend of Rabbi Ben Levi, which is exactly Shubin Levi. And listen, he's a great poet. And he learned it differently. It says, and, you know, he touched it up a little bit, of course, because he's a poet. And he says as follows, Rabbi Ben Levi on the Sabbath read a volume of the Torah in which it said, No man shall look upon my face and live. And as he read, he prayed that God would give his faithful servant grace with mortal eye to look upon his face and yet not die. So he wanted to see the face of God. Then fell a sudden shadow on the page, and lifting up his eyes dim with age, he saw the angel of death before him stand, holding a naked sword in his right hand. Rabbi Ben Levi was a righteous man, Yet through his veins, a chill of terror ran. With trembling voice, he said, What wilt thou hear? The angel answered, Lo, 
the time draws near when thou must die. Yet first, by God's decree, whatever you ask shall be granted thee. Replied the rabbi, let these living eyes first look upon my place in paradise. So it's not exactly, but you know, based on it. Then said the angel, come with me and look. Rabbi Ben Levi closed the sacred book and raised, rising and uplifting his gray head. Give me thy sword, he to the angel said, lest thou should fall upon me on the way. The angel smiled and hastened to obey. It led him forth to the celestial town, known as Canadian, and he set him on the wall, whence gazing down, Rabbi Ben Levi, with his living eyes, might look upon his place in paradise. Then straight into the city of the Lord, the rabbi leaped with the death angel's sword, and through the streets there swept a sudden breath of something unknown called death. Meanwhile, the angel stayed without and cried, Come back, to which the rabbi's voice replied, No, I swear in the name of God whom I adore, I swear that hence I will depart no more. Then all the angels cried, O holy one, see what the son of Levi has done? The kingdom of heaven he takes by violence, and in thy name he refuses to go hence. The Lord replied, My angels, be not wroth, angry. Did ever the son of Levi break an oath? Let him remain, for he with mortal eye shall look upon my face and yet not die. Beyond the outer wall, the angel of death heard the great voice and said with panting breath, Give back the sword and let me go my way. Whereas the great rabbi paused and said, Nay, anguish enough already has it caused among the sons of men. And while he paused, he heard the awful mandate of the Lord resounding through the air to Baskal, Give back the sword. The rabbi bowed his head in silent prayer and said to the angel, Swear, no human eye shall look upon it again. But when thou takest away the souls of men, thyself unseen, and with an unseen sword, thou wilt perform the bidding of the Lord. The angel took his sword again and swore and walks on earth unseen forevermore. <laughs> That's cute. Obviously played around with the poem. What can I tell you? When I first learned that Gamora and Chief many years ago, I said, oh, I know this from Longfellow. Maybe that's not right. But that's that's how I recall it. Um, although it's not exactly there. But one thing is seems to be pretty clear that he, it seems that he got a reward for ignoring the COVID rules. You know what I mean? In other words, by him, the Torah was Megan. But I want to repeat, he only did it when he was learning with them. That's how Rashi explains it. And we end up with a funny situation, which is that you have somebody who didn't die. It's, it's like Elia Navi. You understand? It's like Elia Navi. Moshe Rabbeinu died, but not this guy. You know? It, it's, it's very strange. It's very strange. There are Chazals, I guess you could call them Chazals or Midrashim. Then Enochanami say that it's exactly right. He did not die. Because the story I just described is one in which he did not die. He got he gave the sword back, but he was alive, walking around in Ganadin, which means he beat the system, which is obviously very rare. And in other words, not only he didn't die from the corona, he didn't die, period. That's like a super duper reward. Is it is it crazy, right? The Yalka Shimoni, the officer of Nelson, Yalka Shimoni, Taka says, and I'm holding in front of me, you know, in Yechesko, listen to this. Um, now, Yalka Shimoni is from Rashi time, but still, Yalka is Yalka. Shlosha Sarhem Shalotamu Tamiso. There are 13 people who never died, or maybe I shouldn't put it that way. Lotamu Tamiso. 
if they expired, it wasn't through Misa. Chanoch, okay, I mean, you know, because it says that the God took him. Kilakachoselokim. Eliezer at Avram, I'm not sure what that's about. Mr. Shelach, Chiramelch Tzor, because of the, that chapter in Yecheskel. Evan Melch Akushi, that was the black guy who saved the life of the prophet Yermio. Basia Basparo, that's interesting. Basia Basparo, she never died. <laughs> According to this, Sarach Basasher, Shlosh of Korach. Okay, I mean, Shlosh of Korach, it's a Bnei Korach Lomesu, so that's where that comes from. Elio Zachalatov, that's easy. Elio, it says, he went up to heaven in a fiery chariot. No, it's done, say he died. The Mashiach and Rabbi Shubin Levi and our hero. So he's mentioned as one of the 13 people who didn't die. And then the Yalkut goes on to bring Tisha Nichnesu B'chaim Gan Not only he didn't die, they entered Gan alive, meaning straight straight away. Chanoch, Eliyahu Zachalatov, Mashiach, Eliezer, Evan Melcha Kushi. I mean, that's quite a story. He saved Yermio. Boy, he got to he might hit the jackpot, you know, for saving Yermio. He went nich nich to Shmachayim Lagadeden. Chiramel Tzor Yavitz Ben Benosha Yudan Nasi. Isn't that strange? Yeah, the grandson of Yudan Nasi must have been unusual. Sorry. Serach Basosher Basi Basparo Biyesham Hotzi Chiram. The heck with Chiram Hachnes Tachter Rabbi Shuvin Levi. Right. Hachnes Tachtov Rabbi Shuvin Levi. As Rabbi Shuvin Levi um, was, first of all, Lotom Tom Miso. Secondly, got straight into Ganadin. That's a that's a pretty good deal. Right? I mean, that's, that's, a, remarkable, that's, a, that's a remarkable story. So, um, when we have, that's what I say, I was thinking, it, it all came together for me this, this morning when I was uh, davening and all the rest of it. Um, and, you know, I don't think we can pray to have this to happen to us. But it is interesting to me, and I don't know exactly why, that we don't mention the Rafua in the Musaf of the Rosh Chodesh. Uh, there must be a reason, but uh, it's, it's, it's rather striking. Uh, it, it seems there are Gashmi's things in there, Parnas you know, things like that. Uh Maybe, maybe, maybe Kaporis Pesha. It's not really. Kaporis Pesha is something different. So it was a horror that I had, and I wanted to share it with you. And uh, maybe you can come up with a with with a solution of your own, uh, with with a horror of your own. Uh, you should know, by the way. Not surprisingly, the Achronim, like the Chido and so forth. Um, you know, you will not be surprised. That, uh, you know, they get into the discussion. Well, Shubh Levi didn't die. What's the story of his wife? Is she a Almana? Is she a Grusha? You know, same thing like Eliyahu Navi. They get into that kind of thing. It's true Masadeja. But I'm not going to go into that right now. One last point, since we're talking about Darwin connected with Rishkodesh. As you, I just, this is just interesting what I'm share with you. Uh, especially in the month of Ador. Although it would be better for Ador Shani. As you know, we recite Barchanashi. So, uh... Which I'm not sure where that comes from. Maybe it's from the Chem Yamim. But Psalm 104. Uh Barchinashi on Mashkodesh. And uh, one of the Psukim, I think we all know Barchinashi fairly well, I assume. One of the interesting Psukim is Yanya Samakhlava Venosh, 
how's it go? Lahatzel pon mishomen, v'lechem levav levav enish yisod. V'yayin samach levav enish, which is an interesting pasuk, because it says wine makes the heart of a person sameach, uh, but it doesn't say lave. It says levav, and I remember when it says levav, it means the heart of hearts, it's something deeper inside you. So why would wine hit something deeper inside you? As a matter of fact, why don't you get you stoned? Uh, Love it. Purim's around the corner. Um, so one way to go is to say that when it says yain, of course it means yain is a uh, Kabbalah. And I'm opening the tail in front of me and I'm looking at the Chidah, and he said, Okay, but... I just want to show you something very remarkable, and that's in the Radak. All the Mepharshim speak about the fact that when it comes to wine, in moderation it's good, in non-moderation it's bad. And those wine is like two, two-edged sword. If you know what you're doing, it's good. If you don't know what you're doing, it's not good. The curse of our times is that the younger generation for the last 20 years doesn't know how to stop. Therefore, the create alcoholism problem. When I was young, and I never was a drinker. But the old guys, you know, they took a schnapps here, a schnapps here, a Shabbos morning, or something like that. You know, a shot glass. And that's it. That's booze. I'm talking, but you know what I'm saying. No, it's in a moderation. Now, they picked it from the Goyim. It's, it's, it's alcohol is a major problem. The Amudim says hundreds of kids every year uh, die. Hundreds of kids in the from communities of North America. Hundreds of kids die from three or four things, one of which is booze. So, uh, we all know that, you know, there's a difference between moderation and non-moderation. And uh, Purim is always tricky these days because when I was a kid, nobody drank much, and therefore in Purim, you drank more, so it's one time a year. Nowadays, (laughs) Purim is a challenge for a lot of people because the younger ones, especially, they don't know where to hold it. They can't stop it. And... They'll get so hooked from drinking porn that they'll continue drinking afterwards. You become alcoholic you know, from this. I've seen it. You know, what I'm saying, I saw starting around the year 2002, 2003. I remember it very clearly. Uh, so we're living in a different Messias. But anyway, let's go back to regular Maimonidean Messias. I'm looking at the Radak on the Pus of Yahim Masalavav Enosh. And Levov, of course, is the inner heart. He says, Im Yishte if you drink wine in the right amount, if you know how to do it, yetiv sichlo, it improves your seichel, which is interesting. It improves your seichel. How does drinking wine improve your seichel? Gets you looser in a positive way. Ki'im simcha salev, yetiv seichel, anavim le'ed. Because basically, with the simcha uh, salev, when you're in a good mood, you think better. Uh, and that's how the prophets operated long ago. That you can see a little bit in Shmuel Olive, a little bit. That uh, if you don't become a shikker, but if you know how to drink wine in a moderation, it's one of the tools for attaining prophecy. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't mean you become an Irishman, you become a prophet. It means if you do all the other stuff that they talk about with the meditation and this and that and the other, like in the Ramchal talks about in the uh, Derech Hashem and those kind of books. And 
you also drink wine, you know, uh, in in the proper amount, and not more than that, then it like opens uh, 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 channels within you, and makes you able to access higher, higher, uh, uh, um, well, basically. So I'm not going to say and end this probably podcast by saying I hope everybody gets high and hits hits the nevua, but it is interesting. Um, it's a challenge. Let's put it this way: it's an interesting challenge because it's adar for people to drink more than usual, but do it in such a way as he as the, as the Radak puts it uh, that it's yetiv uh, siklo. If you find when you're going to be drinking now in the month of Adarisha, especially Adarisham and Purim, that you're better, your seichel is better, you think better, you learn better, all the rest of it, then you know you did it right. If not, then you know you did it wrong. Anyway, as I said, I was going to riff a little bit today on different subjects. And uh, as always, I appreciate the sponsor, Mishbacha Stefanski. And with that, I wish you all good jobs and a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.